Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Realtor Talks. Today I've got Richard Crossley, the Director of Leasing at LuxuryProperty.com on the podcast. Thanks for coming on Richard. My pleasure Lloyd, my pleasure. How are you? I'm, I'm doing as well as can be, thanks Richard. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a, an interesting time we've gone through and we're still going through so uh, yeah, we should, we'll get through this. Yeah, definitely. We will get through it. Just got to keep uh, plugging away and, and uh, doing the best we can. Uh, just to introduce everyone who's listening and watching, can you just give an idea about where you're from, what you do and how you got into real estate? Oh dear, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm mid-50s now, would you believe it? So I've been in real estate for 30 years. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to have a, about a 15-minute uh, saga now of all, <laughs> all and where I've been. I've been around the world <laughs> in a few different places. So, listen, I, I left uh, Manchester Polytechnic, which is now a university, when I was 21. I saw a job advert. Do you like people? Are you good at talking? Yes and yes. So that's how I fell into a state agency with a company called Jordans in Manchester, who are now part of the Halifax Group. And I can remember going for my first interview, and it went well. And this Mr. Barton, the area director, big bull of a guy, he's probably only about 30, but to me, he looks a big, strong man. He goes, so Mr. Crossley, what do you think you're worth? And I go, oh dear, I, don't, I like this job. I like the sound of this. I don't want to blow it. So Mr. Barton, I think I'm worth 5,000 pounds a year. And he goes, huh? you've priced yourself quite high, Mr. Crossley. I think you're worth 4,000 pounds a year. So in about 1987, I started for Jordan's Halifax on the princely sum of £4,000 per annum as a junior negotiator. And from there, I moved down close to London and then I worked for a couple of big companies, a company called Hansard, who were very good. Uh, would you believe it? In eight, 1989, the government did away with double tax relief and we sold 91 properties in, in the month of August just before they did away with double tax relief, of which I sold 45 myself. <laughs> But the, what no one realised was it sucked all first-time buyers out of the market for the next for the next year. So we went from 91 sales to one sale the following month, which was a cash buy, and that was that. Um, what then? Oh yes, I then had the chance to join partnership in a partnership with a very experienced older broker in my town, Kettering in Northamptonshire. So I became partners with uh, Jonathan Brown in his practice, and we grew that at the end into about a six-office practice. Um, and we were very busy and very successful, totally independent, but very good agency. But then I fell in love and met a Cuban girl. So I think I saw my, well, I, didn't know, I don't think I know, I saw my partnership in when I was about 32 and retired to Cuba. So I went to, uh, I thought I'd worked very hard. I'd got a few investment properties, but I was pretty exhausted. So I thought I'd retired and I'd gone to live the life playing tennis and sitting on a beach in Cuba and helping my wife at the time to help her holiday business. So we were in Cuba for two or three years, got a little bit bored as you do once you got refreshed. So we ended up living in Spain, in Cadiz, in southern Spain near Seville or Sevilla. Um, we started a, a, a bar business, Bar Cuba, and uh, we were doing the mojitos and the salsa and the cigars. But again, I missed property. So uh, I started a business called Come to Cadiz, and that was a holiday left. I got about 20 owners with about 25, 30 different units. So I was, I was like a, a pre-runner. This was what, mid-2006, 2005, 2006. Um, pre-runner to Airbnb. Everything was, went well, but mad busy, mad hectic. You know, if you're doing short-term rentals, which uh, I think you know, it's worth chatting about later in the show about that. A lot of work, a lot of handovers, a lot of uh, check-ins, check-outs on a weekly basis. So that was quite exhausting. So then the Spanish recession came. I went back to the UK in about 2011 became an area manager for William H. Brown, um, big group up in the north, and concentrated on leasing for the first time. And that, you know, sort of like proper 12-month leasing and all the, the British laws that go with that. So I was with them for a year or so, and then I became area director for B, uh, Belvoir Lettings um, in York, beautiful city where I'm from. So I had a great time there. But just one day I thought, Do you know what, there's one adventure in the old dog, let's go to Dubai. So I arrived in Dubai at the start of 2015 and here I am. Good timing, it's been interesting times but good times. <laughs> you know, I'm very happy and established in Dubai so I'll be here for a few more years. So in a nutshell, that's me. 
Okay, so there, well, that was a, well, a well-traveled man you are, Richard. That's all I'll say. <laughs> well, what was your, what was your favorite market out of interest of, of all of those uh, places that you've worked in? What's been your, your favorite kind of patch to, to sell property in? That's a really good question. Um, I, do you know, I actually like Dubai for the, for the pure diversity of, uh, of, 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 of the units we see. You know, we can be in something like a, a one bedroom, I, I tend to do villas. So let, let's say you can be in a two bedroom in, in the original Arabian ranches or town square one minute and, and within the hour you're in a, you know, a 50 million dirham mansion on the Palm or in Emirates Hills. You know, you just don't get that, you certainly didn't get that diversity in a small market town just outside of London. Kid mm-hmm. was lovely, but it was, what's the word I'm looking for? Six months of the year, it was like paradise, but in the winter months, it fell off a cliff. So it was only a six month uh, year cycle. Six months of the year, it was quite quiet. Six months, it was busy. So I enjoyed kids. Cuba, I loved, I, I didn't do any property in, in Cuba, but Havana is my city, you know. If you said, Rich, let's go to Havana in five minutes, I'd say, no, Lloyd, I'm ready to go now. You know, <laughs> the, architect, the, the architecture of Havana, if, it, if it's not fallen down, it still stands. It's as simple as that. Fidel and those who follow haven't had any money to alter Havana or, or any of Cuba, really. So therefore, it's such a wide, eclectic mix of architecture in Havana. It's, a, it's unbelievable. I love Havana. Yeah, I've only, I've, only seen, I've only seen the pictures, obviously, and it looks, it looks stunning, almost kind of untouched. Um, have you been back there recently, obviously, since it's been more like the travel restrictions oh, to the US and stuff? I, I think I last went again in, in the mid-2000s. It's one of those things, you know, about 2007, something like that. You know, I, I just kept thinking, yeah, I need to get back, I need to get back. But, you know, it's on my, it's on my wish list to do. I hope to do it this year. I've now got family in Miami, so I want to do uh, a few days in Havana and, and a week in Miami and see what Miami's got to offer. Okay, that, that does sound like a good trip. Uh, would I want to go there as well. That sounds like a really good, a really good idea. Okay, so, well, thanks for letting everyone know about your, your past. It's a really interesting one compared to a lot of people. I've uh, got a lot of life experience. You even speak Spanish, just to, to let people Spanish. know. Spanish. No, Spanish, I, I, yes. I, I can get myself uh, understood and get myself out of situations, but believe, believe me, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not fluent in Spanish. But anyway, on we go. Okay. So, yeah, well, we mentioned that you're a director of leasing at the company. Um, just to give people an idea who maybe aren't familiar with the, the real estate market in Dubai, both for people looking to rent out and also for people who maybe want to become agents here as well. What are the kind of trends that you see at the moment in the rental market? And how do you see that changing after these particular times that we're in now? Yeah, indeed. Well, as I say, I I arrived in Dubai 2015 and uh, we just had a mini spike in activity and price rises because a couple of years earlier, it was announced that we had 2020 coming. So that that led to almost an artificial, oh, wow. 2020s coming there's going to be demand for prices and, and property and, and like the developers got overexcited and sellers got overexcited and landlords got over, overexcited so we saw prices go up and virtually to the day i arrived somebody said well just a minute all it is is, is an exhibition you know is it really gonna have that much effect on us now when it's like five years in the future mm-hmm. um so virtually from the day i arrived we, we began to see what we're witnessing now that an oversupply of the market and the prices slowly but gradually began to fall. You know, I think we've, we've had for the last four years about a, a 10% fall per annum, around 40, 40% drop in prices. So it's a difficult market. But again, there are always people looking to rent and there's always people looking to buy and sell. So therefore, if you're, you know, this is for anybody thinking about coming into the industry. Therefore, if you give a service and you're knowledgeable and, you know, professional, and you want to help people, you'll do well. you really well. You know, people buy people first with the knowledge and your expertise. And that comes across very quickly here. And if you can get that, you'll still do business. Definitely. That's, that's great advice for, for anyone who's listening. And the thing is, even as prices have gone down, when we're talking about sales, the, the rental prices have gone, gone down at the same time. But you can still get a good ROI on, on your investment here. It's not like... Absolutely. Uh, it's still the best, in my humble opinion, the best place in the world. Just on pure maths, it beats Tokyo, it beats New York, it beats London, it beats Paris. You're still talking sensibly a 5% ROI, sometimes as much as 7% ROI. And where else in the world are you getting that at the moment? You're not. 
So just pure uh, bang for buck. If you're an investor, look at Dubai. You know, there's some great buys out there at the moment. You know, the developers are bending over backwards. The secondary market's bending over backwards to get, you know, a good investor to buy at the moment. And again, if it's quality, we'll rent it. It's as simple as that. I know we're going to sort of discuss, you said to me you want to discuss what makes things different, but there is a demand for quality units well looked after. And if you're a good landlord, you bear that in mind, we will rent your property for you, I'm sure. Definitely. And well, obviously you focus more at the, the higher end of the market, like our company does. Where, but on a general scale, where do you see the, the trend going? Traditionally, it's been more people looking at apartments to rent out, but obviously with the building of you know, more family communities, townhouse communities, do you think that's going to be more of a, a longer term trend for people to start demanding those kind of properties or you still think the apartment is, is the king of rentals? It all depends what the demographic is, isn't it? I mean, if you're a young, trendy couple like yourself, Lloyd, you'll want a, a stylish apartment, perhaps in the marina, perhaps in downtown, business bay, you know, handy for all the amenities, bit of good nightlife, cafe, coffee shop, society, etc. So that will always pull, won't it? The marina always has that chic sort yeah. of design to it, you know. Oh, but having said that, after two or three years, and especially if it's like Sound of Little Ones coming, you're going to need a, a villa. You're going to need a garden. So perhaps uh, there's, there's a demand for both. And again, there's, there, you know, uh, Sheikh Mohammed and the government, they're actually targeting the very top end of the market as well. No tax if you're a business owner. Bring your business to Dubai. There's no tax. And again, we can like fulfill your dreams with luxury, luxury living you know, in various areas, the Palm, Emirates Hills, Alborari, District 1. You know, so I think all areas are covered. It's simple as that. We've got the stylish apartments. We've got the starter villas, if you like, the smaller villas. Look at Dubai Hills. Oh, that, that's going, let alone uh, mood on Arabian ranches, even uh, Akoya, etc. You know, there, is, there are some good started uh, villa developments as well so i think all tastes the match but the biggest thing as i keep referring to now tenants and buyers want one thing and we've got to learn this quality they're looking for quality gone are the days where oh yeah it's poor but i need to buy this i'll buy it either off plan or, or secondary and just get on with it no they're now discerning buyers they know what they, they should get definitely and as the as the city continues to grow there's more choice so of course, you know, before maybe there weren't that many freehold options that people could buy. So you were almost forced to go for certain projects. But now with more communities, more buildings coming up, you have to definitely go for the one that's, that's, that's quality. You have that choice uh, between Indeed. what's on offer. Indeed. Okay, um, also you briefly touched on the, the expo before. So obviously when prices went up, more due to speculation in, in my opinion, but do you think there's going to be any effect um, on the expo being postponed for one year? I know it's not been 100% confirmed yet, but what do you think the effect is going to be on, on prices and the industry as a whole? Uh, right, well I think it's a good thing that it's been postponed and I think if we're clever we can actually redirect ourselves with not too much difficulty to, to, sh to give the world what it wants. We're going to slowly and surely emerge out of this uh, COVID situation, but the world will be a different place. So Dubai now has got that unique place to give the first international convention to the world. So, you know, and again, it was always about technology, uh, sort of sustainability, etc. Um, but let's now even concentrate more on environmental issues. Let's concentrate more on a more sharing, caring world. So if the leaders of Dubai are clever, we could, we could use this very well to say, look at Dubai. And I love being in Dubai. And as I say, I'm, I'm mid-50s. I'll be here for another five years. Simply because it's tolerant, it's respectful, there's no crime. Uh, it's a great place to live. And if we can get that message out, and, uh, and again, I've been very impressed with the government, the way they've handled uh, the lockdown. Um, they've taken the initiative shall we say so if we can get that message out to the world look look at dubai you know we're tolerant we're respectful we live together and now we care and we care not only about our fellow human but about the world we live in so with a bit of luck if they can uh, revise slightly the the target aim of uh, expo 2020 i think it's going to stand us in good stead the flip side is we, we, you know this has really knocked 
the stuffing out of what was a difficult housing market anyway. So again, drastic measures are going to have to be taken soon to get the housing market back on its feet. Um, there's still going to be a lot of oversupply. We need to slow that down and we need to get more buyers into the market or more tenants into the market for that matter by giving them what they want. So prices are going to be affected. The flexibility of packages to allow buyers to come back into the market, mortgage packages, different mortgage products uh, are going to be needed. And again, developers wake up. Gone are the days where I'm going to sell you this off plan and in three or four years when you can get your keys, Lloyd, I don't care if, if you say it's not what you thought you were buying, if it's not the right quality. Those days are gone. You're, you're, you're buying off plan. You know what you want. And if it's not right, you're going to kick off about it. So why don't I look after the buyer, the tenant from day one? 100%, 100%. I, I definitely agree on the points that you, you've raised there. The, the business aspect of it is, is the thing that I was, I thought that Expo was uh, going to um, actually cause an actual impact on the city as a whole. So generating more people moving here to Dubai and starting up businesses will boost the economy and then bring the population up, which in turn increases the demand for houses. And I think obviously that's going to be pushed back a year at least cost of this so that will slow down and obviously the economic impact of no travel and all of that is just going to push back the the um the resurrection almost of the the market i think but it will happen it's just going to be delayed for that time period but i think the good thing is that people will be pressured like you said developers to to give new offerings give better service and i think especially some of the bigger developers are going to have to be careful on what they do so that they can maintain their reputation over the long term because there are some who maybe you know in the market they say the standards are slipping they they're going to need to up their game to make sure that they they maintain their status indeed indeed they are it's as simple as that isn't it but you know sheikh mohammed and the government they've seen crashes before they've seen bad times before they're wise they are they're clever so i'm sure they've got plans of foot and they know what it takes to to resurrected to use your word dubai dubai will not die dubai will will go from strength to strength yes there is competition now you know saudi arabia for example are copying a few of our ideas but dubai has that one thing that other places don't have we're tolerant we open arms to everybody and we get on well together where you know this is united arab emirates you know they're building synagogues in, you know next to mosques you know in abu dhabi you know where else in in the in the middle east does that happen you know, it is a totally safe, relaxed place to be. And, you know, they let people get on with what they're good at. Business, raising the family, it's a good place to be. So, you know, we've got some unique features to Dubai and to the United Arab Emirates. And as I say, the government, they've got plans. We might have a bitter pill to swallow for the next year or two. But if we want clever, use Expo 2020 for the correct measures. It will speed up our... our exit from a very difficult period i'm sure of it definitely the the city is there's always going to be ups and downs but i'm sure dubai will come out of it stronger and it has done in the past um the city continues growing and the leadership is and the succession of leadership is really strong here like you said the yeah. benefits of of living here maybe not pe people across the, the world internationally don't necessarily know about it but i think it's just it's becoming more widespread and the word of mouth about dubai it's just only yeah. increasing over time. So, so it's a really great place. Indeed, I mean, how long, how long have you been here, Lloyd? Uh, coming up to 10 years. It'll be, it'll be 10 years in October. So yeah, quite a long while. So, and, and, and again, you're happy here, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be living here. Um, everyone who comes here does by choice. So, and, and I think maybe I'm a good example of people staying here for longer. So what we were talking about, maybe before people would stay couple of years two three years and rent out an apartment younger demographic and then go away make some money go back to their home country or somewhere else whereas now people are coming over maybe like yourself at an older age or they're they're willing to stay for a longer amount of time and, and raise a family here because of the stuff like apart from business tolerance there's great health care schools uh, transport links all of that stuff here as well so it's become a a really great place, place to live and in that decade I've seen the place change a lot and I'm sure I will see that in the next decade if I'm still here as well. 
I'm sure you will be, my friend. Because where else is there to go? I mean, I'm English, so do I go back to England where it's great, it's wet, but also the cost of living in the five years, you know, fat cat sort of greed has taken over the UK. You know, so everyone wants big fat salaries, you know, directors of universities, three times paid what the prime minister's paid. Uh, and therefore all their underlings have to have matching salaries. You know, it, it doesn't encourage, here it's like, look, these are the rules, go, go off and create, make money, make a business, employ other people, and add to the country, add to the future of Dubai, add to the, add to the Emirate. You know, it's as simple as that. Whereas in England, it's, it's, it's too selfish now. And uh, I like where I am. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go into it too much. Um, so yeah, I wanted to ask you about short-term rentals. And I know we touched on it uh, earlier in our chat. Um, the short-term rental market, I know it's not something that we really dabble into too much. We're more focused on the long-term rental market. But what do you think, is it better, is it better now that the, for, for investors that there's a short-term rental market option? Um, and then obviously at the moment with the current situation, that's, it's kind of worked in two ways. People who are here at the moment are looking for a short-term stopgap almost until everything calms down. But also the, the tourism industry has of course been a bit decimated. So the people who are renting on a short-term basis previously are now looking to, for, for longer-term options as well. Um, do you think that's good for us as, as brokers, um, or do you think it's a negative thing? Okay, well, let's go back to the very beginning. Uh, Dubai has exploded off pretty much in the last five, six years as the holiday destination for, for the English to come to or the British to come to. It really has exploded off. And again, yes, there's been a, a plethora of five-star hotels offering everything that a holiday maker would want. But a lot of people want to do their own thing in their own, inverted commas, in their own home. You know, to, to relax. You can never properly relax fully in a hotel or you can never have that sort of scope of freedom to move around. Hence, Airbnb took off very quickly and successfully here. But the problem was, in, in, a, in a falling... Uh, market for a rental market landlords who couldn't rent out their use or oh, just a minute this airbnb you know i can get a month's a month's rent in a week if i rent it out so i'm going to furnish my place and i'm going to get it onto airbnb and i'm going to rent it out but of course that led to a flood of the short-term market as well so even before the coronavirus so suddenly you know when it for the first year or two of course if you had airbnb license and you know the correct license to short-term leasing you did very well but the whole the whole thing about short-term leasing is the manpower involved to manage that property is so intense that you have to pay for it it's quite a high cost to the letting agent because to do all the inventories the cleaning the handover the checking the checkout etc once every seven days perhaps they're going to charge you you know 20 25 percent of the of the weekly rent goes to the brokerage, the agency, just to do that. So when you do the pure mass of it, you have got to have your holiday rental place rented out for about 75% of the year to make it worthwhile. Because with the cost involved, if you've only got 50% rental occupancy through the year, the cost of that 50% coming off the bottom line, you're not making any money. And of course, there's a lot of, of units flooding the market. So even before what's happening now, a lot of the, of the landlords who went from the long-term game to the short-term game are now coming back to the long-term game again. But of course, we have now got uh, a rush of, uh, of furnished apartments. Yeah. Whereas before, we had a lot of unfurnished apartments or villas. And of course, if you're a long-term tenant, the majority have, have furniture anyway. So I'm hearing a lot at the moment, Richard, I love it, but can you take the furniture out? So, as I say, it's a balance, isn't it? I mean, if, if, you, if you've got a prime apartment near to the beach, because if you're a holiday maker, you want to walk to the beach or get to the beach easily, near to a mall, near to good amenities, you stand a very good chance of having a very successful uh, short-term leasing career. However, you know, there's a lot of choice out there, and if it's the wrong location or whatever, you might have an empty unit on your hands for a while. The beautiful thing about long-term is you put a good quality tenant in there and you pretty much, wipe, you know, so say, right, great, that's my unit gone for the year. Of course, you're there to, to sort out any problems that might arise in the year. But on the whole, 
once you've been in for a year, that's pretty much it for the year, isn't it? Yeah. And then, of course, you're trying to build a relationship to keep your tenants in there for another two or three years after that as well. Definitely. There's obviously pros and cons to, to both, both methods. I think people went to the short term because they see, like, with the flashing lights, oh, I can get a higher rental rate, but they don't necessarily know what the, the work involved is and the, and the cost involved of having a property management company do it for them, the extra headache that you have. So, yeah, well, I think, I, I think we'll still see that trend personally um, once tourism starts getting back up because people will always go, they'll always gravitate to stuff that um, is giving them higher returns. Um, that's just, I think that's just human nature and, yeah. and Dubai is a good city for it, but it'll be like you said, and you know, you're talking about earlier, you have to stand out and have quality because when there's a glut in the market, you have to stand out and that's what people were willing to pay for when you're competing against, uh, places like hotels and in Dubai hotels tend to be a very high standard of quality as well. And the hotels have to give more and more and more just to like get their rooms full. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're giving so many uh, add-ons now, aren't they, to, uh, to, to, to be off the competition like any, any business would. So, yeah, interesting times, my friend, interesting times. Yeah, definitely, especially during the, well, the seasonal period in the summer that, that we're coming up to now. That's when, that's when the, the people who are giving the best offerings will be able to, to survive it out until the, the peak periods. Okay, um, another thing, we're talking about what um, landlords do, and we're going to speak about that more later. But what do you think when people are looking for a property to rent out, what's the number one mistake that they make when they're looking for property? That they believe everything that they see on the uh, portals. Okay. You know, yeah, oh, look at that. And, th and then they start you know, telling us as brokers or as experts, oh, yeah, I've seen this, this, and this at this price. Uh, don't believe everything you see. You know, the secret is, is it's all about relationships in our business. And we'll come on to this more. So you find, as a tenant, you find a broker, you know, and you and I did this, I can remember, not so long ago with the South African uh, we put into, um, we put into uh, Jumeirah Islands. Yeah. You know, you find a good broker, you go and have a copy with them, and you sit and talk, and you, and you explain your requirements, your needs, your timescales, et cetera. And make sure he's got a good grasp of that. And if that broker then can come back to you with some good options and some good sensible advice, you think, yeah, I like this guy. I can trust this guy. I'm going to stick with him. What you shouldn't do is, you know, have your head turned by 15 different brokers all fighting for your commission, all fighting for your, you know, your, your business, shall we say. No, if you get one good guy with good contacts and good knowledge, stick with him. He will find you the best deal, whether it's with himself or whether it's via another quality broker, and he'll give you good advice from, from the work first to the last moment. And then again, you're a good example uh, how he looked after the South African gentleman. Yeah, well, definitely. I think, I think that's the, the misconception people have. And, you know, I think real estate is a bit unique in that way, is that obviously with more information now in the market, people can do their own research and looking on the portals. But like you said, you have to take that information that you see online with a pinch of salt if you are looking at it. They, they think that they have more knowledge than you almost, even when uh, you know, we're doing this on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that kind of their lack of trust in, in brokers and our lack of trust in customers sometimes, that they'll go to 100 other people as well, really ruins the relationship and giving the best service to, to clients. And that's definitely a message that we, we should put out there. Look, look like Richard says for someone, even if you have to in, like kind of do an interview process of a few different brokers, find the one that you like, you work with well and that you think has the best knowledge and you can trust and then just work with them exclusively to find the best, the best person that you're looking for. Can't stress that enough. You know, everyone's got time for 30 minutes for a coffee with somebody, you know, go and again, it, it works both ways because even if you don't pick up on that guy or that lady that you've seen having coffee, at least you'll take something away from that meeting, mm -hmm. you know, and like, you think, oh, right, yeah, that's another thing I didn't think of. Right, thanks for that. So as, as a tenant, you know, know what you want, know what's sensible, but then the most important thing is, is find a broker that you trust and you like, and who's got good knowledge, good experience, and he's got your best interests in heart. And it's not all about the money, it really isn't it? I don't care about money. <laughs> I do care about money. I don't really care about money. In this instance, I really want a satisfied client, you know, and I enjoy that because we get more referrals back from satisfied people. The number of businesses 
deals I do from referrals. Oh, Richard, John told me to co contact you. Blah. That's what it's about, isn't it, really? And like the money looks after itself once you find a good broker and, and that good broker gives you his decent service. 100%, 100%. Great answer, great answer, Richard. Okay, so we, well, we've, we've spoken briefly about tenants there, but something that I do on this podcast is a top five. So I do it with different different uh, guests on the on the the podcast um and especially for you since you're a rental agent i wanted the top five tips that you'd give to landlords that will make it more easier or quicker to rent out their property i thought you were asking me about the top five united Le the top five Leeds united goals okay anyway <laughs> only you will it takes two of those spots <laughs> right okay no seriously okay so the, the, the five best tips I can give for a landlord. Yeah. Okay, right. Again, number one, choose your broker again. You know, again, when I first came, I used to hear it so many times on, on, the, on, on the phone. But bring me the check, bring me the check. And like whoever got a check to a landlord, that was all he was interested in. So he believed anything that he was told. Of course, it was a landlord's market then. Properties were, selling, were renting in 24 hours. But now, again, in this market, with so much on the market, your broker is so important to a landlord. Mm -hmm. Again, have a chat with him. Is the broker knowledgeable? Has he done deals in that area before? Um, has he, does he come from a company that's got, got good exposure, good, uh, good, good marketing tools to get your property out there? So number one, pick the right broker, A, with his support and backup tools, but more... Can I do business with this guy? Do I trust him? Will he promote my property to the best effect? So that's number one. Again, pick your broker. We're in the human relationship business here. Okay, that's a good. That's a good. Definitely a good uh, thing. And and this is a people industry, like you said. We you need someone that you can work with, that you can trust, and someone that you're gonna will, uh, that you'll be willing to listen to honest feedback about. Because I find people. Owner, landlords tend to be stubborn. Uh, I'm sure you'd, you'd, you'd know this, but you have to be willing to listen to their advice. And obviously a better broker will be able to deliver that to you in the, in the best way possible, whether it's data driven, whether it's through experience, listen to what they say. And obviously if it's someone that you trust and you vetted, you can listen to that advice property and properly and take action accordingly. Good. That's very true indeed. Yeah, it's all about that. So, and that point number two comes on to that. Don't overexpose your property. There is nothing worse as a tenant or a broker seeing the same villa or the same apartment 10 or 15 times with 10 or 15 different brokers at different prices. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, the landlord doesn't even know that brokerage are advertising his property 10,000, 20,000 below what he's really looking for. You know, that, that's the, uh, the snake pit of brokerages, yeah? If you ever expose your property by giving it to 10 different brokerages, we all know the competition we face, so we're going to do tricks to make sure that we win the business. So, again, the, your, your apartment will appear on different portals with different prices, and a tenant's going to say, well, is that genuine? You know, I've seen it for 70000 there, 100000 there. You know, what, what do I believe? Um, what's wrong with it? Why, why, why isn't it renting? Why is it with so many different brokers? Don't overexpose your property. You know, if you, are, if you do have a need to rent urgently and you do think you've got to expose yourself a little bit more, two, maximum three brokerages, full stop. And all three with this personal relationship and this ability to talk sense, that's the way forward. You do not give it to 10 or 50. You don't do the old Dubai, bring me a check. And before you know it, you've got 20 uh, brokers on it and it's just overexposed and, and looking weak and horrible in the market. Definitely. I mean, you, you might buy, buy, I think people think that by exposing it to 100 brokers, like you say, Richard, that they're going to get offers in. Um, but you, you lose complete control of the, the price of your property because, like you said, people will be advertising it at lower price and then they'll say, oh, this guy offered it at this price, this guy offered it at this price. And if you're a landlord, you completely lose that control over what the message is that goes into the market. You, you wouldn't do that with any other product. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't market I don't know, Coca-Cola and then do it in completely different ways. With, with and, and, and again, you or I wouldn't be interested in that property. We yeah. very quickly start lose interest. Well, fine. 
you know, what's the point if he's not listening to me, if he's, if he's not, you know, adhering to, to, to the advice we've got. We've got enough clients out there who will, who will build this relationship, who will trust us. I'm not going to waste my time, you know, sort of like promoting anything where there's a very good chance I'm not going to sort of be successful. You know, I'll do my best, but I'm not putting that extra mile of really going to town to like promote it, do my network of other brokers, giving it like expensive premium or, uh, you know, approved listings on the portals, etc. No, it's just, oh, right, well, it's always with 20 different brokerages. Yeah, if I get a phone call, I'll tackle it. Whereas if, if I know it's me on a, just me as a sole agent, just me on my own, of course, I'm going to really be onto that property every day, speaking to the owner virtually every day as well. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so those are the first two. Those are really good. What's, what's your third tip? Number three, always make the property the best it can be. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're a landlord, it's your investment and it's there for a reason. It's there to bring you some income. Okay, so the very least you've got to do is paint it, clean it, get the garden in, in A1 condition, and then the, the, the added advantages or the added benefit or bonus to any tenant would be to have a maintenance contract in, in place. A good bona fide maintenance contract with a good rectal company that gives peace of mind to a tenant. If anything goes wrong in this property, I've got 24 hour coverage to pick up a phone and phone somebody and say, hey, my AC's broken down. So if you're a landlord, make sure that your product, your unit, your apartment, your villa is the best it possibly can be. You know, clean it, paint it, if it's a garden, get the garden looking good and have some support as well. Just give peace of mind to the tenant. You know, we've seen it so many times, haven't we? And it's crazy. I'm a landlord in England and I know you're a landlord in various parts around the world, but have it the best you can. Don't forget about it. You know, if somebody moved out four months ago, of course it's going to get dusty. Of course the garden's going to die. You know, there's going to be, you know, this is a coffee stain down the wall on the staircase. Get it painted. It doesn't cost that much. Luckily in Dubai, we're in a, 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 a city where, you know, there are lots of maintenance engineers, technicians, painters, whatever. It won't cost a lot, but it'll make a massive difference to the rentability of your property. Definitely. They're, those basics are really overlooked and, and they are really basics, aren't they? Just making the property clean and, and painting some walls. Because what really matters when you, work, when you walk in and imagine if you are a tenant yourself is those first impressions. If you do see a, a coffee stain on the wall, then that immediately gives you a negative effect that the property hasn't been maintained well. And yep. here in Dubai, we have a lot of um, homogenous products, I can, I'll, I'll call them. So if you look at one apartment in a building, you're going to find that same apartment or a similar one, you know, two floors up, three floors down or something like that. So you have to also differentiate yourself from the competition when, when you're looking to, to rent it out. So, yeah, that's a, that's a very valid point, Richard. You're saying the dream, aren't you? You know, you, I want a client to walk into a place with me and go, yeah, I can see myself living here. I can see my sofa there. I can see my bed there. Yeah. I don't, do not want a tenant to walk in there and go, oh, my goodness, dead cockroaches, filthy. Oh, no, quick, let's get out. No. And it's just silly. It really is. You know, we're costing ourselves opportunities here. And, again, as a broker, I, I do tend to tell people that. I say, look, we're about to go into this one. Be prepared. It's not very good. You know, I try and manage their expectations. You know, I'm not going to say to them, oh, this is the best apartment ever in the marina. It's, uh, I'm going to say, look, it is what it is. Hopefully the price reflects that. So come have a look. Well, yeah, like you said, the price will have to reflect the, the quality. Uh, you. That, basic, that basic work, even though it might cost you a little bit of money, will probably allow you to rent out the property at a higher price. So don't, don't look at it as a loss by having to put money into the property. Which brings me very nicely onto my fourth point. Hey. If, you, if you can, spend some money on your investment. You know, it doesn't cost a lot nowadays. And, and again, when I say put in a new kitchen or a new shower room, because who has a bath in Dubai? Why, why, why are there bathtubs in, in virtually every apartment or villa in Dubai? Or there was anyway, sort of like five, ten years ago. But, you know, if you can, spend 50000 on your property. I know, oh, Richard's throwing away, throwing away 50000 like everyone's got it. If you can, 30000 buys you a nice kitchen from Ikea and it buys you a lovely ensuite from wherever, yeah? 
those two things alone will sell the dream to any tenant going in there, yeah? And immediately it stands your property out from the crowd, okay? You've added to your asset, you've added to the value of your asset by refurbing the kitchen and the bathrooms, yeah? But not only that, as a landlord, you have stood your unit out from the crowd. Oh, you know, I used to work on Arabian ranches. I used to show 10 or 15 exactly the same villas on Al Reem, yeah? Yep. One owner actually had to move out of Dubai. She gave me her apartment, sorry, her villa in, uh, in fact, it was in Alma. At the time, if I remember rightly, things were going for about 180,000, 170, 180,000. She'd put in a new kitchen and a shower room for herself, a beautiful rain shower, yeah? We rented it in a day for 210 with people fighting over it because it was so different. So we had an uplift of 20 or 30,000 on the average rent for the exact same type and it went in a day it didn't stand empty for two or three months and, and again two hundred thousand divided by 12 you're good at mass uh Lloyd. <laughs> that, that, that's that's how much rent the average landlord can lose by having a, a property standing empty so it, it just proves thirty thousand gets you a lovely ikea kitchen for for a smallish villa twenty thousand gets you a lovely ensuite put those two things together You'll get that money back in rent in two years and you'll add to the asset value anyway and make your property more sellable for rentals or buyers. So again, if you can afford to, invest some sensible money into the kitchens and the bathrooms and stand it out from the crowd. Exactly. Like you said, if you, if you do put in, say, 30000 and you can make it back in three, four years, that return on investment is, that return on investment is much higher than anything. It's better than even the rent that you're getting. So... Well, well, Look at, look at the example I gave. Uh, the, the Alma went for twenty, a good twenty. I think it was twenty thousand more than the average, and it went in a day. So there was, yeah. there was no two or three months standing empty, and it got twenty thousand. And once you're in that kind of villa, you tend to stay there for two or three, four years. You get that money back within two years, I'd say, within two years. Yeah. What what I think on that point is because that return on investment, if you use like a logical mindset and and figures, you're getting that that higher return on what the money that you put in the property. 25 30% even that, that you're talking about but I think a lot of people just they don't want to outlay and they're thinking more in a, in a short-term mindset but as a landlord you should be looking on on a longer-term mindset and that's just no, not on rental it's just yeah. any any property yeah. investment uh, but you also you know as a landlord you know it is an investment it's bricks and mortar or concrete you know but what, what, <laughs> when you, you've always got to think about the resaleability of it you know that is an asset to you and your portfolio, right? What do I need to do to, to lift that asset value and to like get the maximum return when I come to sell it? Improve it, simple as that. Definitely, and, and the final point, Richard, what's your last tip? Use me, no, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, uh, the final tip for any landlord is be flexible, yeah, and that's in, be responsive to any inquiry from, from a good broker that you trust. You know, listening, be open, and to make it work. So, of course, we're now going to discuss the fact that when I first started, one check. Where else in the world do you have to pay a full year's rent up front on day one, you know, in one check? Those days are pretty much gone now, although we still do a fair number of one or two check deals. But now landlords know it's not their market. They've got to be more flexible. They've got to be open to more checks, more payments, and perhaps we'll go to the 12-month instalment like the rest of the world. I don't know. But again, a landlord always needs some insurance. Here, especially, we've, 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 been, we've been brought up on having holding some security, holding some post-80 checks or whatever, just to give that security that if anything goes wrong, there is something to fall back on. Yeah. But again, be, be open. Be, you know, somebody like me, I'll come to a landlord and I'll say, Mr. Landlord, look, we, you know, you want... Two, 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 ten. I've got you one ninety, and that's all they can do. But I tell you what, I'm going to get 120, 130 on the first check, and the sixty thousand on the second check. I'm going, to, I'm going to come to you with some solutions, Mr. Landlord. And like, if I give you the right profile of the client, I really want to work with you here to make things happen. So, how we stagger the payments, what the payments are made up of, things like this. Be flexible, but trust your broker and listen to the profile of the client. That he's going to put into your asset for the next year or two. Definitely, because something. Well, you started talking about checks, and that was something I re I really wanted to ask you about, Richard, because we are seeing that trend towards more checks, and that I think has been 
because of the way the market has gone down over the last four years. Um, do you think we'll ever, do you think we'll ever get to that 12 kind of 12 months, uh, monthly payment and like by direct debit rather than using the almost antique method of checks that we, that we use here? <laughs> Uh, we are. We see more and more twelve check deals now. Not necessarily so much in obviously the the, the higher end of the market, um, we, but we are certainly seeing twelve twelve checks in on apartments on the smaller villas uh, up in um, Dubai land, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, landlords are knowing they'd rather you know if you're a sensible landlord, you'd rather have somebody living in your villa or your apartment for twelve months rather than standing standing it empty. You know, you want some, you know, villas, apartments are meant to be lived in. They need water going through the systems. They need the air cons on, etc. They can't just be left to rot. So therefore, you've got to be flexible. But on the flip side is we're trying to change the culture. So again, if it is 12 checks, be prepared to write out 12 checks because a landlord wants to hold in his hand some form of security. You know, if perhaps if you're an English landlord now, we're seeing more and more expat landlords, European landlord, perhaps they will take on board. But you see, the problem is, one of the problems here, Lloyd, there isn't a single uh, credit agency in Dubai. Mm -hmm. So again, it's that if in England, you know, the first thing we used to do was do a credit search on, on any would-be tenant. That wasn't the be-all and end-all by a long way, but it gave a, an indication of who we were dealing with. Yeah. And it, you know, it gave peace of mind to a landlord. Uh, here, there's none of that. So again, that's what we're, that's why this necessity of having this added security to checks comes from that. You know, they, they've got something to fall back on if one of the uh, instalment payments doesn't come through. So I don't think we'll ever go away from blind trust of yeah, I trust you, Lloyd, to pay me uh, ten thousand or fifteen thousand every month for the next twelve months on this given day. Yeah, they will need something to fall back on. But we are getting to that more and more flexible market. Definitely. Yeah. Well, that's the thing at the moment. I, it's not the regulation isn't the same as in, say, somewhere like the UK or, or the US, which is why people want to have that or they've traditionally wanted to have that check up front so that they know the money's in and someone doesn't do a runner, for example. So I think the regulation part of it is going to have to work hand in hand along with the mentality of the landlords changing at the same time to give them peace of mind to start offering the, the more checks, the multiple checks. So there they are the, the top five tips from Richard Crossley to be the best <laughs> landlord in Dubai and get your property rented out ahead of everybody else. Definitely. And and those are those are really good tips. They're they're quite simple to follow as well. They're this this isn't rocket science, is it Richard? Like you follow these Follow these tips and you'll be able to rent out your property. And those, those rental tips can also be transferred to, to sales as well. It's, it's, it's generally just for advertising your property in the best light. That's, that's we're, all we're, I we're selling a dream, whether it's rental or sale, we are selling a dream, certainly to an end user, shall we say, not so much an investor. They have done their maths and their sums before they come. It's all about ROI for an investor. But for an end user, and I think at the moment, the majority of our buyers and tenants obviously are end users we need to sell them a dream we need to put into their heads that they can see themselves living in this apartment living in this villa and being totally happy there so of course make it make it make it the, the newest thing you can to a show villa or a show apartment that you can it's as simple as that somebody was telling me on saturday that they they bought i think a thousand dirham coffee machine in an apartment and that one thousand coffee machine coffee machine made a tenant say yeah Wow, I like that. Where do I sign? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've differentiated themselves. They've made themselves unique, and that's a selling point for them. So, well, the last thing I wanted to ask you, Richard, is obviously you get to see all these properties across Dubai. Do you have a specific favourite rental property that you've seen? There's a question. I'm very lucky because you know I can go from the most stunning penthouses to just to mention a few off the top of my hand. Volante, 118, you know, selling the dream of the penthouse living where the opera's on my doorstep, cafe society's down below. Yeah, I, I, the penthouses are great. The next I can be in an upgraded, updated villa on the palm, stepping down onto my private beach with the water flowing past me nicely, thinking, shall I get my paddleboard out and like try and do some first exercise for about three years? Or do I go to the wilderness and the green of 
Alborari and lose myself there, which is the nearest thing to Europe I've seen. You know, there's waterfalls and little lakes just dotted around and you're away from everybody. District one, the lagoon, wow. I can remember seeing a seven bedroom mansion on the lagoon and just stepping down onto the lagoon and just going, wow. Burj Khalifa in the background, turning around going, wow, this is Dubai, I get Dubai. Yeah. We're spoiled, we're spoiled for choice. And again, I could, go, I could even go to a little two bed villa on Arabian Ranches One where gardens and greenery was still the name of the game. And again, I'd be standing there thinking, I could have a great barbecue here. You know, I could have a great barbecue, have some friends around and we'd be as happy as anything. The bias pretty much got it all, really. So, yeah. Is that a good enough answer? Or are you going to put me yeah, on? Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to press you. I think that it's a, just a difficult question, really, to answer because it's there's so much choice and it's very yeah. subjective from person to person, I think. Um, but yeah. otherwise, yeah, that's that's everything I've got for you today, Richard. I think you've you've uh, you've gone through all the details for anyone listening, and you've been very knowledgeable. And um, I think anyone who's listening to Richard should really listen to the tips that he's given and look to implement them, whether you're a tenant or, or a landlord. Yeah, so as, as we said, Lloyd, you know, I'm always available, you're always available, you know, we're very approachable and we're not in it for, for commission. Yeah, the money's nice, etc. but we generally want to give good advice to help people, whether you're a landlord or a tenant, we're there to help. That's the first format of being a good broker. So if you wanna reach out to Lloyd or to myself, we're easily contactable. Definitely. And, and Richard, since you said that, can you let the, the people listening or watching know how to contact you? I know that you've recently started more on social media, so maybe start with uh, sending, like, letting the people know about your social media account so they can follow you. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Dubai Luxury Rentals uh, as my Instagram. Um, what else am I up to? I'm doing podcasts uh, myself called The Dubai Life with my good colleague and your colleague, Liam. And that's going very well indeed. Um, TikTok, I've not started the dancing yet on TikTok. I will save <laughs> anybody for that. And that's a bit of a dig at Lloyd there who was TikToking away <laughs> over the weekend. Bless him. Uh, yeah, so, and I'm on LinkedIn, of course. So, and again, find me at Luxury Property. You know, it's as simple as that. Okay. It's a pleasure, Lloyd. I've got thank to go and do another Zoom now. <laughs> okay, thank you, Richard. I'll put all those links in the description if you're, you're watching on YouTube as well. And thanks for coming on, Richard, once again. Absolute pleasure, Lloyd. I enjoyed it immensely. So okay, thanks for watching the, the podcast, and I'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Bye-bye.